Are you looking for more ways to engage with CryptoCurrent during your day and week? One of the best ways is to follow us on our social channels. You can check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok. We even have a private Telegram channel for all of those who check into our weekly Clubhouse sessions. So if you aren't following us yet or had a chance to see our latest content, please give us a follow today. You can find the links to our socials in our show notes and on our website. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today we got a special one for you. Uh, We are talking with someone that is at the ground floor of a lot of things that have been going on uh, in the space that I am excited for this conversation to learn more about this ecosystem, uh, but to also see where things are headed um, post FTX and everything else that's been going on. So today we have Austin Federa, who's the head of communications at Solana Foundation. How are you doing today? Hey, doing all right. Uh, good to be here. Well, happy to have you. I'm excited to dive into all the things that Solana is now focused on. But before we do that, I want to first learn a little bit more about you. Can you give us some background on yourself? Yeah, uh, you know, I have been with Solana Foundation and Solana Labs for about two years at this point. Um, started off working on a bunch of like product and marketing stuff, and kind of. Uh, you know, I have an interesting role at the organization. I work across a bunch of like different types of strategy, comms, obviously, um, but a bunch of the work we do too on like where we should be building next and kind of some of the, the the theories about how we approach growth in the ecosystem. So, so it's a super fun place to work. Uh, before this, I was at Bison Trails where I was running product marketing for them. Uh, Bison Trails was a blockchain infrastructure company that ran proof of stake and archival infrastructure and all sorts of that for about uh, 20 to 30 different protocols uh, before they were acquired by Coinbase at the very end of uh, 2020. So... Uh, yeah, before that, I actually like was working for a bunch of other types of startups and worked as a journalist for a few years, actually, originally coming out of college. So uh, yeah. kind of a strange path into Web3, but it's great. No, it, 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 it's helpful, though. Um, you're able to get all yeah. the useful information from the Web2 world and bring it over into Web3 and <clears throat> help accelerate at the different companies that you represented. What was that first introduction to Web3 for you? Like, how did you get first introduced to crypto and blockchain? And what made you decide this yeah. is the path I want to go? Yeah, I mean, like, I think as a lot of folks, like, I had like a bought some Bitcoin moment, but, you know, honestly, like, uh, I think I probably bound on Mt. Gox and like I lost my keys at some point and, you know, that, that whole early crypto story. And then was out of it for a while. And then let's say mid 2017, I moved to New York for a job with a fintech company that was, it turns out, rapidly failing and trying to pivot into what now we would call DeFi. But would, they were trying to issue a borrow lend token on Ethereum in kind of mid to late 2017. Uh, the project never really went anywhere. The company shut down and you know failed about two months later. Um, but you know, this was the first time like I had to actually sit down and learn like, okay, like what's a smart contract in Solidity? Like, what can we actually use Ethereum for? Um, you know, in in some sort of like thing for work, and you do something for work, and like even personally, you know, I was crypto skeptic at that time. I was like, I don't really get what the application for all this stuff is, especially like a lot of the early terminology was just so bad. Like a smart contract, why couldn't we just call them programs? Right, like the whole the whole model for me for like Ethereum 
just it made absolutely no sense initially. It was like, okay, so there's this platform you can run smart contracts on. And like none of that terminology ever made any sense. And I was like, oh, it's just a giant distributed computer that runs very simple programs. All right, cool. This thing makes sense now. But for whatever reason, all of the terminology we use in this industry is just... For me, it's always like... It's totally backwards of what the actual things people are trying to build are. Um, so that was my kind of thing that got me reintroduced to the space uh, and kind of excited about what this technology could do. I went to work for Republic and Republic Crypto, running marketing for them, uh, the launch of the, the Republic Crypto brand and all that kind of stuff. And you know, uh, from that point on, I was really hooked on working in the space. Yeah, so uh, a great journey. Uh, being able to first get in, learn about Bitcoin, uh, buy some, unfortunately go through the Mt. Gox situation. But then as you get yep. reintroduced by looking at what's happening early uh, fintech play and starting to really dig deeper into it, you saw the future of what this could be. So you started doing the marketing, you started getting into these different opportunities. And then you fast forward and you you land at Solana head, head of comms. So a lot of people would have been like, oh my gosh, this is a really cool opportunity, et cetera. And, and you've, you've had a, a unique pathway to getting here. So for the person who's listening and they're like, I'm trying to figure out how do I get into one of these big foundations, get one of these opportunities, even through these like bearish times. Like how would you say, yeah. what what is an approach that a lot of these people could do to at least start a path to getting some type of opportunity like that? Yeah, I mean, I, so for one thing, you know, I joined Solana in January of 2021, so it was hardly a hardly a huge thing back at those days. Uh, it was still a pretty pretty up and coming protocol. I think there were 35 programs that had transactions per day on the network. It's over like 1,100 now, and obviously, we're, it's a much different organization than than the foundation was beforehand. Um, but you know, I would say so many folks I talk to in the space they seem to just be waiting for permission from someone else. Like they want to go through some training program or they want to do something and they think like, oh, if I just get this credential, then somehow I'll be like qualified. And the truth is like no one's really qualified to work in Web3. It, it, it happens so quickly. The industry changes so completely. If I went on a nine-month sabbatical and came back and someone was like, go be head of comms at a foundation, like there would still be a solid two to three months of catching up I would need to do because this industry moves so quickly. So, you know, there's folks who six months ago knew nothing about blockchain and now they're running marketing for like a protocol or something along those lines. I, I think really like uh, we're, we're in such early days and the technology changes so rapidly. It isn't like trying to get a job at Google or Facebook or something like that, where like you have to go to the right schools and then you have to have the right kind of career path. And then maybe if you're lucky, you'll end up at, you know, it's like, it's just a very different world getting into, into crypto. So much of it's like self-education. Um, the biggest thing though, for me, that's like helped me in my career weirdly is like, not doing anything related to this at all undergraduate. Like I did political science and environmental studies and like econ undergrad at like a liberal arts college. Nothing at all to do with this stuff. But like the 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 place I see people make a mistake in crypto is they get too tribal too quickly. They stop looking at the underlying technology. They start like there's a huge amount of like cultish echo chamber in this space. And like, it's fun. Sometimes it's useful, right? Like, I don't, I think you have to have a hell of a lot of grit to stick around through the Ethereum 2018 bear market where everyone stopped building and everyone left. Like, the cult is the thing that gets you through that. But like, if you drink your own Kool-Aid, you, you lose sight of the point of this technology and what we're actually doing here. And so that's one of the, one of the harder things about the space is you tie philosophy and technology and economic interest all at once. 
And that trifecta is like the power that what, um, what makes the space so sticky. It also makes it very easy to just like get radicalized. Uh, the same way folks get radicalized on YouTube about anything else in the world, they get radicalized about a specific implementation of a technology. Um, I, I don't think if you, if you talk to anyone high up at Solana Foundation or the Ethereum Foundation or you know any of these blockchain foundations, they're not single chain maxis. They really see this as like technology that'll change the world. And like, yeah, they believe in the implementation that they're working for. But it, it's not like I think in order for Solana to succeed, Ethereum needs to fail. Or if Ethereum or if Solana failed, it would uh, mean Ethereum was more valuable. Like all of that kind of stuff is very short sighted, especially when we have at most twenty million daily active users of all crypto combined. Yeah, I mean a lot to unpack with that. The the biggest being that you don't need permission to like go for something that you're looking for, and a lot of the job is learning while you're there, and then being able to add value. To whatever you're, yeah. you're bringing, and to totally don't get so narrow-minded that you are only focused and very shallow and what you're seeing, and, and be able to take a you know a bigger a step back and get a bigger view of everything else that's going on in the market, so that you can be more informed and, and help drive something. Yeah, uh, force what you're going to. It's a hard thing though, like to stay both optimistic and skeptical at the same time, and that's like I think the yeah. best attitude you can bring to this space. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. So you you now fast forward. It's 2021. You get into the Solana Foundation, uh, and it's it's a roller coaster, right? So like y'all, you oh yeah, come out of basically come out of nowhere, go on this absolute tear of everyone knowing about it. All and all of a sudden you have an uh, NFT platform that's being that's competing uh, with Ethereum. You have all these other amazing things that roll out, and then 2022 happens. It's it's been a roller coaster on the other side of this this journey. Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest takeaways through the experience that you've just encountered? Hey, everyone. Just wanted to let you know about all of the amazing content that we're making for you exclusively over on YouTube. You can stay connected to crypto's top stories and trending topics with the Aftershock. Every Wednesday, join Cryptocurrent Steve Miller and myself for a brand new discussion on what's going on in the wild world of Web3. If you want to learn more about cryptocurrency and blockchain but don't know where to start, Crypto Decrypted will cover everything from basics and fundamental analysis to the advanced concepts of technical analysis. Join Chris K every Thursday exclusively on YouTube to get this content. Finally, if you want to take a deeper dive into the world of NFTs and learn more about all the latest and greatest and what's happening in that space while capturing alpha, join Steven on NFT Thursdays exclusively on Twitter Spaces on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hope you're enjoying our content. And if you're enjoying it, please like, subscribe, share, and leave comments so that we can continue to give you the content to keep you cryptocurrent. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the the funny things to do is like, you look at like what happened in early November, right? I think the first thing everyone's going to think of is like FTX. Uh, But the first thing that happened in November is we had over 3,500 developers come to Lisbon for Breakpoint. And like the, the annual Solana conference, this was the second year we've done it, uh, you know, in the middle of a bear market to get, you know, over 3,000 developers out to Lisbon for a hacker house into a Solana Games Day, which is all about uh, like games being built on the Solana network. And then to go into, you know, four days of break the breakpoint conference itself. Like, uh, I think you saw just an, an amazing number of people show up for that. And then FTX 
completely imploded two or three days later. And I think that was a real shock to, to be looking at these two things at the same time, which is like, there's never been more interest in development on Solana network. Um, you know, it is, it is, uh, it is the most developed network after Ethereum in terms of projects built on it and, you know, ecosystem adoption, reference implementations, all that stuff. Um, and at the same time, the bottom of the market falls out, right? Like, the FTX imploding, you know, there was a there's a there was a strong view that like FTX is very closely aligned with Solana and Solana Foundation. I, it's not really accurate. FTX had, you know, been an investor in the space and they'd built a few projects like Serum. Um, but you know, for the most part, what we were seeing is we were seeing a huge amount of value um, get tied up in Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. And so that's the thing that like so many folks are going through right now is is funds that are are maybe still locked on that exchange, um, you know, and trying to figure out like what does that process look like? Uh, you know, we're, we're we're talking Tuesday, which is the first day, the same day the House uh, hearing started on FTX, and they've been really interesting to watch and to see how, um, you know, we still don't really know exactly what happened and what really led to the downfall of the exchange at this point. Um, but there's a lot of people who are obviously hurting pretty bad from that. Uh, the foundation itself, you know, had about a million dollars of cash and cash equivalents on on FTX International. Uh, but you know, from an organizational standpoint, it hasn't really affected the roadmap or the resiliency of the community. Yeah, and so. appreciate you speaking to that. And it's in in just to echo how resilient and different I think this bear market is compared to even 2018, when going through the 18 to 20 lull. A lot of people that were in the space were really here and saw the future and like, it doesn't matter what price fluctuations are. We're here to build and we believe in this future. Now you have the bear, the bull market that just happened from, you know, 2020 to 2021, about November. And, and now we're back into this, in this bear time. But the amount of people who are sticking around is drastically different. Like you could see it at consensus. You could see it at, at things like NFT NYC, even at your own conference, seeing 3,000 people show up during this type of environment. Like it shows how much the market has changed and how resilient people believe in the future of, of, of what Web3 ultimately is building. Yeah, you know, it's it's such an interesting thing because like, it feels to me a little bit like March of 2020, right? Where it was like, uh, you know, the, uh, so I graduated high school right around the economic crash of 2008, 2009, right? And that was like, something was deeply fundamentally wrong with the US housing market. And that ripple on effect took down, you know, huge amounts of financial institutions all around the world. March of 2020 was different. March of 2020 was, I, I don't want to call it artificial because that like makes me sound like some conspiracy theorist, right? But like the economy was humming and we had to press stop on that thing because of a global pandemic. And in some ways, like this bear market feels very similar to that, especially when you look at like the FTX fallout. Nothing fundamentally has changed about the nature of the Solana network or any of these other networks. It's just the, the confidence in the macro structure of the system is shaken at this point. And, you know, I think it's also important to remember like, when these exchanges fail, they're not actually Web3 products. They're not actually blockchain products, right? right? FTX could have been trading, you know, pork belly futures for all we for all we care. They they did something that's like very likely illegal and they broke the bank there and you know they they created a huge amount of damage to users. But that wasn't a blockchain thing. That was a centralization thing. Um, any yeah. centralized exchange could have had the same 
issues that they did. And so I think that's one of the hardest things to reconcile is that that sort of idea that like there's never been more developers building in the space. Like things are actually going very well from a technology and adoption standpoint. Uh, and then, you know, these these sort of incidents like the bear market just come out of nowhere. Right. So let's let's talk about that. So unfortunately with, with FTX and everything else that happened, the Solana got drastically impacted by all of that fallout. Yeah. However, had that not happened, there's still a lot of really amazing things Solana's building, working towards, and has on the roadmap. Are you able to talk towards some of those things that you know y'all are currently uh, having the pipeline? Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, one of the biggest ones uh, is FireDancer, and so FireDancer is a second implementation of a validator client coming to the Solana network. Currently, only Ethereum and Bitcoin have multiple validator clients. And these are this is a you know an implementation of that core software that runs the network. Um, and uh, it's really important to have multiple implementations of the client because uh, a they have different dependency trees, right? So if there's a bug in one piece of code, it's very unlikely that bug exists in the second implementation of the validator client. Uh, because they're built in different programming languages. The idea of like the same piece of code is going to be problematic in both, like the chances are just very, very, very small. So it, it's a hedge, right, to make sure that the network can stay both online and secure. Um, that has been benchmarked in, uh, you know, synthetic testing environments that represent sort of a proxy of real world load, but it's not real world load to about 1.2 million transactions per second capacity, uh, which is nuts. And you know, I don't think we'll ever see what I don't think in I don't think in the short term we'll see anywhere near 1.2 million transactions per second once Fire Dancer shifts into production. Uh, but it's a good indicator of what that theoretical upper bound of performance looks like. Um, you know, on top of that, there's just a ton of uh, you know work being done in the community to sort of uh, repair and replace some of the things that FTX was involved in. So Serum is the first central limit order book built on chain. This is different from an automatic market maker, an AMM like Uniswap is or something like that. A central limit order book is the same order system that like, uh, you know, the New York Stock Exchange uses or something along those lines. And so Serum was one that was built on Solana. Um, it's, been re, it's been redeployed and forked as OpenBook. Uh, and so OpenBook now is a whole, totally community-run project, uh, which is a core piece of DeFi infrastructure for Solana. And so you can see that like, Folks throughout the ecosystem are, are kind of rebuilding and expanding a lot of these components that maybe FTX was involved in before. So it's really exciting to see all that come together. And then, of course, we have the Solana phone uh, that's now shipping. So that's cool. Yeah, I was actually going to, that, that was going to be one because I know that was supposed to be uh, a big drop. And then the, the timing, again, timing is, is, is wild. But yeah. can, you, can you talk to a little bit about uh, the, the Solana phone? Yeah, so uh, you know the this is um, a really really cool piece of of both hardware and software that uh, this team at Awesome O S O M has been developing. It's the same hardware engineering team that built the Essential Phone. So they've they've built and the iPad Pro and a bunch of that awesome stuff in the past. Um, so the the Solana phone called Saga is now shipping. You can go to SolanaMobile.com and you can sort of take a look there at kind of what that looks like. But it's built on top of Android, um, except it does two things different than any other uh, phone or crypto platform on the market. Uh, the first is it stores um, seed phrases on something called the secure element inside the phone. This is the same place that like Face ID is stored or your credit cards are stored. It's a really super secure piece on the phone that's... It's not quite as secure as a ledger, but it's the closest you can get without dedicated hardware to being as secure as a ledger. It's way more secure than a software wallet or a browser extension. 
Um, and the second piece is this whole decentralized app store that's built on uh, Solana as well. Uh, the cool piece here is the underlying operating system is, is Android. So you still get Google Maps, you still get Google Play Store, you still get all that good Google stuff you like. But much like when you get a Samsung phone, it comes with a whole Galaxy store. The, the Solana phone comes with a whole decentralized app store uh, for you know folks who want to build applications on Solana. So there's NFT marketplaces there, there's games. And you know with all of this, as you see both Apple and uh, you know Google and especially Apple starting to restrict what you can do with NFTs on their platform, so you can restrict the in-app payments. Um, this is really an alternative direction to counter Google and Apple's moves here. And you know... The, the end results, the end goal, I hope, actually, is that you know uh, the Solana phones in some ways uh, stop being sold eventually because it's just been integrated into core Android and core Apple, right? The same way that like NFC and like 5G started out on features that only a few phones had and now every phone sold has it. Uh, we'd love to get to a place where this open software stack is integrated into most phones that are sold. Yeah, I think that'd be excellent. I, I think we're probably cool. years out from that just from yeah. looking how history uh, <laughs> repeats, unfortunately. And especially as Apple still uh, doesn't understand how uh, fees work uh, on blockchain. But you know, we'll, we'll get there with, with, with enough time. But I, I, I remember uh, when the news dropped about the Solana phone came out and I was like, man, this is really cool and it's going to be a dis- disruptor. So happy to see that, yes. that, that shipping out. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sure Apple knows exactly how fees on a blockchain work. They just don't really want to admit it yet. Yeah. Yeah, they got, they got somebody <laughs> in there. So a lot of amazing things coming out for Solana. And obviously, there's been a lot of lessons learned from just all the things that have occurred this year. Do you think as the general populace looks at the world of Web3, all of crypto, all of blockchain, and just sees the three black swan events that happened this year that kind of put us in this extended bear that we've seen so far. How do we start to get on the other side of that and rebuild that trust for mass adoption to start taking form? What do you think are some of the ways that that can start to happen? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to take a while before the retail trading activity really comes back. I think you can argue that that was never what this whole place was about anyway. I think what we've started to see, and especially you saw this at the tail end of the last cycle, was applications the users barely knew were on blockchain that were bringing folks to the network. So Step In is a great example of this, right? As a as sort of a move-to-earn game built on Solana. I, I, you know, most people who downloaded it and initially set it up, like I don't think they were deeply aware this was a blockchain-based game at this point. Um, there's about 15 or so really high-quality blockchain games rolling out in Q1 on Solana. Um, I think the 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 goal for the bear market really now is to both build the fundamental infrastructure that need you need to make sure that the network is ready to support that and developers are ready for that next cycle, and at the same time bring users to discover all the power of stuff built on blockchain that you don't even necessarily know is built on blockchain. And I think this is kind of one of those things where, like, I think when people are using an application in the real world, they don't really care what the underlying technology it's built on is. Like, do I really care if the web service I'm using is built on Amazon or Google Cloud? Like, no, I don't. I just care that it works, right? I think that's like right. we're starting to see blockchain technology deliver the same type of experiences that centralized applications can deliver. 
uh, except with much more flexibility and obviously openness for for users and all that sort of thing. So I, I think that's what I'm really looking forward to is that it's sometime in the next 12 months, we'll see a few different breakout applications, maybe on Solana, maybe on other networks that start bringing in, you know, multiple millions of users to these networks. Um, if we can see, you know, three or four of those in the first half of next year, I think we're, the market's going to come back much more quickly than it would uh, if we don't get that sort of use case really built out for users. Yeah. And games have been a great bridge in a lot of ways to get people more and more involved on trying out some of these new applications because people can instantly like recognize what's going on there. But the move to earn, uh, it's like a unique concept where, yeah. you know, imagine when the first like Pokemon game came out, Pokemon Go, and everyone was doing it and you could get all these different creatures. But well, imagine if you could, you know, collect the Pokemon and be earning while you were doing it. Like, man, there's just so many different like elements of, of things that I think with enough time could combine a lot of different uh, unique pieces that would like have more people receptive to, to participating. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't matter that the underlying technology is blockchain. If it works and functions as a web two application and now you just can do more things like the, the, the end user does not care. Just like you said, they don't yeah. care. They just want it to work and work well. Or they'll care later, right? Like, you know, you get, uh, I, I think like, folks didn't originally care about a smartphone unless you were a business user, right? You had a reason to get a BlackBerry. Then suddenly like more people had a reason to get an iPhone. And like the camera became the feature that like made everyone get a camera phone because they wanted to send photos to each other, right? Like these little things, like I don't think anyone looked at the original iPhone and was like, this device will change dating forever. But like you couldn't have built Tinder without the iPhone. And like, we don't even know what the pieces of software and technologies and user-facing applications people are going to build yet on blockchain that can't be built on Web2. So I'm really excited to see what that stuff is. Yeah, I, I know I am too. And I know that you and Solana have a lot that's going to be dropping in 2023 and are going to be exploring a lot of different things. So much so that you have uh, a podcast that's dropping. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, we got this. Uh, we 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 used to run a podcast that was really focused on like deep tech of what was going on in blockchain. We we've we've changed it up a bit. The new show is called Validated. Um, it's really focusing on uh, like honest conversations on what's going on in the blockchain space, with a focus less on specific projects and more on the technology and the paradigm changes taking place in this industry. So, should be yeah. Fun. I I think that's awesome, and I think it's especially for the people who are in it and you're trying to see like what was the efforts that were being built back in the last bear in 2018 and how much of those dynamics have shifted with how the market is now adapting and seeing like yeah. where people thought, oh, if I built this thing, people will come, everybody be happy. And oh, that actually didn't work. It, it fell flat in its face and people are, are having to pivot. So I think having those types of honest conversations about lessons uh, is important. It also helps with innovation. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think you've dropped a lot of really good information for us today, Austin, but I always like to, to wrap up these interviews with a couple of fun questions. And the, the first one I always like to start with is with all the information you've been able to learn throughout the years, especially during your time at Solana, if you could go give yourself one to two pieces of wisdom when you first started your crypto journey, what would you tell yourself? 
I was intimidated at the beginning, like back in 2017, I was definitely intimidated by how much it seemed like everyone else knew. And I still talk to people now who are like, how do I, how do I learn it as much as you? How do I get into this space? I think the answer is like, pay attention for three to six months and you will be just as up to date on that stuff. I, I think that's like, uh, there, there are way fewer gatekeepers in this space than you could possibly imagine to the point where there's pretty much zero. So just dive in, learn what you're curious about, and the rest will work out. Yeah, I agree. The, the access to information is there. The ways to participate are way more open. I mean, between Twitter spaces and yeah. Discord channels, Telegram, like you can get direct access to a ton of really rich information. Now, yes, you have to be able to sift through and figure out what's uh, quality information yeah. uh, versus the other. But the the access, the accessibility is, is is amazing. Yeah, the biggest thing I would say is start with the tech. Don't don't try and figure out what's going to make you money. Like if you actually want to learn something about this space, start by learning a piece of tech and kind of work out from there. It doesn't really matter what you pick. You can start learning Solana. You can start on Ethereum. You can start on Cardano. You can start on Polkadot. It doesn't matter. Like learn the terminology, adapt it to other chains, like and figure out what's interesting to you. Definitely. Um, someone gave me the advice of like, find a technology or a ecosystem that makes a lot of sense to you. Go deep in that. And then you can start to expand elsewhere. And you, because you already have a foundation built, you're able to build a lot faster. If you try to go to every yeah. place all the time, like all at once, there's just going to be chaos. Um, yeah, so I think that's that great advice. Definitely a good uh, takeaway. But Austin, as we wrap up here, man, what is a final thought that you want to leave with all of the listeners here today? You know, I think it's just like this technology isn't going anywhere. And that doesn't mean you have to pay attention to it, but uh, don't don't fall for the crypto is over doom and gloom narratives. Like the, the, this technology is too disruptive to be going anywhere. Yeah. And I think that is always an amazing reminder. Uh, the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, doubt that people yeah. are always trying to like get you to go online and panic and all that kind of stuff. Just put that aside, focus on what's being built. And I mean, you can hear it and just go back and listen to this conversation. There's a lot of really amazing things being built. It sounds like Solana's continuing to build out amazing things. And I'm excited to see what continues to happen within that ecosystem. So Austin, what are ways that people can learn more about everything going on over at Solana and also be able to connect with you directly? Yeah, uh, for Solana, Solana.com uh, has a bunch of the new exciting stuff that's going on. Uh, at Solana on Twitter is the main handle. Lots of great stuff shared from there. Uh, for me, Twitter, Austin underscore Federa. It's probably the best place to find me. Perfect. Well, you've given us a, a lot of amazing information. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. And as always, for everyone listening, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. 
Today's review comes from Cassius Octavius 15. I had an awesome experience as a guest on the show and Richard is a wonderful guy. Well organized, great content. I highly recommend the show. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date on the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. We would like to give a special shout out to our Moon sponsor, Acacia Digital. Acacia invests in partners with early stage blockchain companies who are solving complex problems in large markets. Acacia partners with projects that have established technology and communities. Acacia supports public projects exhibiting strong momentum and capacity to grow into large markets. Acacia also directly participates in limited releases such as NFTs tied to unique experiences, access, or products. For more information, go to acaciadigital.io. Again, that's acaciadigital.io. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com.